Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. everyone welcome into the dublin denver podcast on the mile high report podcast network michael mcquade joined with colin cronin and stuart roche after the denver broncos uh, fall to a defeat in seattle uh, in week one monday night football broncos getting beat 17 to 16 uh, we'll talk about that in a minute and we'll sort of go through everything colin first off obviously uh, a very very warm welcome to you how are you doing man? are you awake uh, yeah, there's a, a very, very late one, uh, obviously, for us over on this side of the Atlantic and a really disappointing way to end it. I think um, I got back to sleep. Uh, it finished at about 10 past four. I think I got back to sleep at about quarter past six and had my alarm go off about 25 minutes later. I felt like Homer in that episode of The Simpsons where he has the, the two jobs and like he gets into bed and the alarm um, goes off. And then obviously have had to go about the, the day. So looking forward to getting into the nitty gritty of the game in a little while. Stuart, um, I watched Sunday Night Football, the whole thing, and then got up at 8.25 on Monday morning and then watched last night's game. I got up at 8.35 this morning. I I don't know how I sound on this call, but I am like, I feel like I could die right now and, you know, I wouldn't 
feeling feel any different. Um, but, you know, talking about that, well, before we even talk about the game, how are you doing? I mean, you, you said last week on the podcast that you were going to listen to uh, or watch the game back in the morning. I think you might have been the smart one, man, to do that. Yeah, I, I think if I sit up and watch Sunday Night Football and then then continued on watching Monday Night Football, I probably wouldn't have the choice of dying. I, I would just, just keel over. Um, you gentlemen are a little bit younger than me, so those days are well behind me. Yeah, I did uh, watch it this morning. Um, and as I was saying to you, Michael, the, the, the game in 40 that the Game Pass have is a, is a tremendous feature, especially if you, if you can't make the game the night before or whatever or if you've got children that you have to get ready for school, in my case. Uh, some of the nuances and subtleties are lost, but though you don't get many replays of key key, key points that kind of just straight on to the next play, the next play, the next play, you do get the odd replay. Um, so as I, as I was kind of chatting to you beforehand, I didn't get to see any of the um, controversy about what the hell we were doing in the last minute with three timeouts and not, not taking any of them until we decided inexcusably to burn about 30 seconds of clock. Um, but it was, it was disappointing. I felt watching it, Michael, uh, all the way through it. I, I kind of felt we played poorly. We've made a lot of mistakes, key moments, particularly in the red zone. We'll come to those later on, I imagine. But I felt we were going to get out of it. I felt we were going to get out of it having made those mistakes and played you know, some really sloppy ball. I, I did feel we sneak out of there with a win and kind of, you know, it would be one of those games that we barely even think about later on in the season, you know. Um, and that's okay if you do that. If you can if you can squeak out a win, that's fine. But unfortunately, if you don't and if you lose that game, having played as sloppily as we did and having made as many critical mistakes as we did, then unfortunately, the, the, the feeling you take into this day and the next couple of days is one of, of real disappointment and, and kind of starting the season on a bum note. Now there are 16 more weeks to go. Let's not lose the run of ourselves. But still I, I think we all thought we were going to lay down a marker. Um and the only marker we laid down was one of maybe we should play more of our first team starters during preseason because some of those lads last night looked seriously undercooked. Yeah and I I really agree with that. I We'll go into that in a wee minute. Colin, just just first off, on the reception for Russell Wilson, is it fair to say it was classless from, from an organization that had a had their only Super Bowl and that was their that was their quarterback and he took them to another one and he was within one play of winning another one? I thought it was it wasn't just classless, it was embarrassing. I'd be embarrassed to be a Seahawks fan, regardless of the result last night. The fact that he came onto that field and there wasn't like a presentation, there's something to acknowledge what he'd done for that team. Or even forget about that, the booze, man. Like that was a bit bit much, no? Uh, I look, I, I suppose I have two thoughts on it. I, I don't I think the way in which the uh, particularly the the top brass of the Seahawks have talked about him um, was very classless. But in I get it in some ways, right? You, you get whatever advantage you can get. And I think Russ kind of gave it away a little bit in his press conferences afterwards. It, it did, he, you know, it did have an impact, right? To go back there and to hear that, you know, those, those boos and I, I was Pete Carroll getting an edge. So I, I am sure that, 
I would hope, right, in the future, he will be in, inducted into whatever their ring of fame, uh, ring of honor is, and uh, then he will get the the reception. Um, but clearly, there there's an awful lot of bad blood there. I mean, the fact that uh, Richard Sherman and Doug Baldwin both tweeted um, after the the game, and the Seahawks retweeted those. There is an awful lot of ill feeling between the for Russell Wilson and some of his former teammates obviously we saw the shirt swap with DK Metcalf so not with everybody but Richard Sherman was chirping throughout um, the the game um, Doug Baldwin came in at the end and you know it's the, the fact that I suppose the Seahawks they put up a, a cartoon today a victory cartoon where they have let's ride crossed out um, they had a couple of other um, celebratory victory uh, kind of victory videos up which were again poking fun at uh, Russell Wilson so yeah there is I mean I thought Russ conducted himself really well in terms of the way he talked about that organization but clearly there's no love lost uh, right now it might be a little bit of time but I would hope in the fullness of time this is not going to develop into this kind of ridiculous Jerry Jones-esque situation where he won't let Jimmy Johnson into the Cowboys ring of honor. Russell Wilson is a Seattle great, the best uh, QB in that franchise's history. And he deserves to, to be acknowledged as such, but I get it. They wanted a win. Stuart, in terms of the Broncos performance last night, obviously defeated 17-16, one touchdown on the night. And that comes from Jerry Judy, uh, who had that pass. I think it was in the second quarter. It just it didn't start well, Stuart. It seemed to me on both sides of the ball, it was a little off. I, am I wrong in suggesting that? And do you think? I, I know you mentioned there now, but like you know, having certain players pre- playing preseason, do you think it was naive to just trust Russell Wilson's ability and not try and put him even in one quarter of the preseason with that offense? I mean, it just seemed the whole thing last night seemed a bit off. I'm not I'm not in any way, shape or form pressing the panic button, but it's clearly going to take time. I think um, one of the things, Michael, whatever about Russell Wilson, I I think the offensive line probably needed some reps together in in preseason because they were all over the shop last night. And now some of those delay games, you could argue, are, are on the quarterback. But the illegal motion, uh, false starts, it, it, there was one point, I think, in the second quarter where it, it was just bordering on ridiculous. It was like these guys had never played a snap together, never mind, you know, uh, our formidable first team unit. Um, that, to me, was... Now, I do think you can you can say there's a couple of things. I think we mentioned here on the program last, last week that it, that nerves would affect Russell Wilson because he is a human um, and they did clearly at the start of the first quarter he, he didn't play particularly well in the end I thought Russell Wilson had a fine game and I would have absolutely no blame attached to him for what happened he got us into the red zone uh, four times and I think we came away with three points um, you know Russell Wilson had 340 yards and he didn't have 340 yards in garbage time he, he, he did his part other people around him unfortunately didn't well, I, I think um, like even something like at the on the on the first drive, the Seahawks. I don't know if you remember Michael Singleton came on a on a delay blitz, and you know, I'm sorry, you really expect I, if it was Josh Allen 
if it was Mahomes, if it was one of those, if it was Lamar Jackson, one of those quarterbacks and Singleton misses that tackle. And in fairness, you could kind of excuse it. Not Geno Smith. Um, like Geno Smith was who Geno Smith is last night. Uh, for me, I think one of the issues as well is that we spoke a couple of times and, and Singleton, who who did fine, I think, for the main, um, some, of the, some of the positions or some of the groups that we had problems with all preseason, and, and when you were away, Michael, for a while, myself and Colm spoke about this at length. The pass rush we were concerned about, and inside linebacker we were concerned about, and both of those position groups failed to show up last night. Bradley Chubb got a couple of sacks, one key sack at the very end, but up until that, none of our pass rushes even came close to laying a finger on Geno Smith, and a quarterback even as as ordinary as Geno Smith, if you give him time, he's gonna, he, they will kill you in the end. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Colm, what was the, the, the main standout for you last night? Was it the decision-making in the red zone? Was it Hackett's decision-making? What, what was the main issue for you watching that? And I know because we were both up at 30 o'clock watching that game. It was, uh, it was hard to take, especially at the end. Yeah, and look, there, there are some positives which, which we'll get to, but I think the, the anger and frustration needs to be worked through. And um, that... Uh, I suppose the the missed blitz that that Stuart is talking about reminded me a lot of the college game at the weekend, Alabama Texas, and um, we we saw something very similar there. Bryce Young obviously escaped the the blitz, and Alabama um, went went on to to win off of that. So that could have totally changed things around. Yeah, they also managed to get away with an absolutely outrageous holding call on that same play, Colin, but uh, we'll, we'll come back to that later on, I suppose. Yeah, I, I, well, I, some would argue we did, some would argue that we we also were the, uh, on the receiving end of some some bad calls. But, uh, Michael, to, to your question, I suppose, there are a number of di- different factors that were really frustrating, right? The, the penalties... To 12 penalties for 106 yards. Nobody gave up more yards in penalties than the Broncos in the NFL this week. The Jags were penalized more. They had 13 penalties, um, but they didn't um, give up as, as many yards uh, on, on penalties as the, the Broncos. You kill yourself. You absolutely kill yourself. We saw it with the 49ers uh, against the, the Bears. If you are up against um, inferior opposition, there is absolutely no surer way to level the playing field than by silly penalties. Some penalties are kind of una- unavoidable, but some of them were uh, just, you know, really, really frustrating. And it, it, gets the opposition crowd up, which again, we didn't need. I mean, that was part of everything Pete Carroll sought to do, right? He wanted to get the crowd up against uh, Russell Wilson. Penalties helped that. Everything fed into the, the, the noise. And again, that led to 
further penalties. And uh, I, I just saw just literally before we started recording, Pete Carroll was again in the, the news uh, today and uh, in the radio rounds in Seattle and saying that this was one of his sweetest ever victories. Um, you know, I, there's probably a dissertation into um, what, what went on uh, there. But to me, look, we, we'll get into the end of the game, but just the, the penalties, like that is something that has to get sorted out um, because otherwise we will end up in, in this situation again. Stuart, a lot of different opportunities as well. Looking at that third quarter where you have a situation where there was a fumble from Melvin Gordon and then obviously Javante Williams as well. Uh, what about Bradley Chubb? Was he a positive point for you last night? Sure, he had a strip sack early on in the fourth from Geno Smith. Um, let's try and find some positives here, I guess. From I'm trying to convince myself everyone's going to be sweet this weekend. But, I mean, it just didn't. like. There were so many missed opportunities, especially in the second half of the game, where we could have had that game by the scruff of the neck and pulled away easy, and we didn't. I mean, I think, was it we missed how was it like Was it mid-20s, the amount of points we could have scored in the red zone? We only got one. Yeah, we, we, I think we got twenty. We got three when we should really have gotten twenty-one. Uh, we we got into the we got inside the ten-yard line three times, and you know, a, a fully clicking offensive unit that we have. I think personnel-wise, you you're scoring seventeen points off that normally, and um, we scored three. So I do. There is a degree of sympathy, and I think that kind of ties into what I was saying when you're on Michael about the fact I I felt that we played badly, but I thought we were going to get out of there with the win. I mean. Javante Williams does not fumble. He, he sadly, unfortunately, um, Melvin Gordon does fumble, um, and he has done consistently throughout his career. And as we've discovered, uh, you know, not that it's any surprise, but Melvin Gordon has a habit of fumbling on the goal line. Now, in defence of him, in that one, I think he'd already been stopped short, and I think he was just trying to fight for that extra sort of six inches that would have been the uh the touchdown but i do think he was down so in some ways i think there is a sort of a mitigating sort of circumstance for him i i couldn't believe when javante williams fumbled i i and i think that's the kind of time where you kind of go oh you know this is maybe just not our night there was also two instances i think when the seahawks fumbled i think uh bradley uh, bradley chubb strip sack both times they landed straight in seahawks hands you know, they're the little things you kind of go, oh, you know, or, 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 it's, it's just one of those evenings. Um, having said that, we still had chances to win the game and I still expected us to win the game. You know, I think, like, in fairness, myself and Colm over the over the last years, you have been quite critical of the defence because I think they're overhyped and I think they failed in big moments. To be fair, I think after the halftime, the Broncos defence more or less shut down the Seahawks. I think they had about 30 yards last night in the second half. Um, most of the Seahawks off <laughs> yardage came from our penalties. It was ridiculous. Like Geno Smith had about 170 yards passing. They ran for about sort of 80 or 90. I think they didn't do much. We really, you know, as Colin was saying, we we helped out an inferior team hugely with the fumbles, with the penalties. You, you can't do that. I mean, I think one of the things, Michael, is that you saw a degree of sloppiness across the NFL all weekend. Um, and I think I thought there was no way we could be as bad as some of the teams that I saw um, on Sunday. And unfortunately, we were right up there amongst the very worst. I don't think this is going to be a problem two or three weeks down the line. I, I don't think, 
you'll see another delay of game from the Broncos for quite some time. Certainly all, you know, the, the false starts were just preposterous. I will say this, Carroll did, he, he did look for it and he certainly got a reaction from the crowd. It was incredibly loud, even on the television. It was unbelievable. So I can see why the crowd would have played a factor. Um, but sorry, your original question, Bradley Chubb did well in the fourth quarter up until that point. I don't think he did anything. Uh, Randy Gregory had a strip, sorry, uh, uh, he caused a fumble with a great hit. Um, but again, as a pass rusher, which is what his primary job is, he did very, very little. Um, so I think that's still a problem for me. Um, I, 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 Hopefully, look, Chubb is off to a good start in some ways. You know, sack artists are like strikers. They may not do much. They get a goal, you know, they get a sack and they, they they start to walk that little bit taller. So it's good to see Chubb. If he can stay healthy, we all know what kind of a player he is. Bradley Chubb stays healthy. He's easily a double-digit sack sack merchant. That's not a question. Gregory, Gregory is more of a question because he's never really, he's a late bloomer. Um, but I think for me, the, the, the real standout was Javante Williams, despite his fumble. He was close to about 140 yards combined. He was a great receiver out of the backfield, which we didn't utilize that much last year. I think he had something like 10 or 11 catches last night. And I like to see Russell Wilson use the tight ends more than we probably saw in Seattle. I thought Beck had a fabulous game, both as a receiver, but also as a blocker. Um, so there were a lot of pluses there, but unfortunately... Um, you, you just can't get away from the fact that we left so many points in the field, Michael. You know, you, you're not going to win games in the NFL. Even even poor teams are are going to make you pay. Um, even ordinary quarterbacks like Geno Smith are going to make you pay unless you get home. So that's a lesson that we've learned, a harsh lesson. And we 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 haven't given ourselves an awful lot of wriggle room with that loss. Now, you know, we need to go and win three or four games in a row after this to kind of get back on track. Because the Chiefs, for example, looked really ominously good um, and I thought they might have tailed off a little bit but now they, they just seem to be they, they're, they're right up in there it, it, to me it looked like the Chiefs realised that they were going to have a far sterner challenge this year in the AFC West and they reacted accordingly so we need to, to get back on track very very quickly in the next couple of games I feel we're going into a whole different conversation because I've only I watched the game tape back today that Chiefs game um, I think the Cardinals are no bueno, but maybe we can. I mean, the Chiefs are good. Don't get me wrong, Column. Well, uh, the Seahawks are no bueno, Michael. That's the problem. Like the the Cardinals that's the problem. No and bueno you're right. And if, if you even watch Justin Herbert, Stuart the other like the overnight, like the way he was playing and the way that, that the offense and defense are playing for the Chargers, they're a, they're a step above where, where, how that Broncos team played last night. Like uh, Column on the defense, Bradley Chubb was the only player that, that had sacks, two sacks in the game. Ronald Darby. Five tackles. Um, it was quite ironic because I was given off on different podcasts about Mike Mike Vrabel, Zach Taylor. Uh, let's let let's just get into it. Um, what the hell was Nathaniel Hackett at last night? There's no, there was no excuse for that. If that was Vic Fangio, we'd be losing the head here. Like, let's be clear here. Like, I genuinely could not believe what I was seeing. Fourth and five. Was it like 45 seconds left in the clock? So like like 50, 45, like around that there. Just just take a time out. More. Take, there, was a, there was a minute left. There's a minute left, right? So take the time out. Now, obviously, whenever the timeout's over, you're going to have a situation where it's four and five and it's going to be electric. The crowd's going to be awful. But at least you've got 30 seconds, whatever, to chat to your players. Go, right, we're going to do this, 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 this. Hell, run the ball. Why in the name of God... Do you go for it there? I mean, that is just, I'm sorry, that is absolutely 
atrocious and Stewart has got the nail in the head um, that's a big it's the first game, it's first game of the season and you, and you go again next week but that is a big why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them with Royal Caribbean you don't just go to the beach you visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America you don't just go for a road trip you ATV and zip line through the jungle you don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Big missed opportunity. When you look at the teams in the AFC, never mind the AFC West, like that is a, it's a very disappointing start. But that, that, that whole process and everything around the column was atrocious. Yeah, it was. And you watched it play out in real time with um, a, a bunch of, of Super Bowl winners. The the two Mannings, uh, obviously, with uh, the rings that they have, and Shannon Sharp, one of the greatest tight ends to ever play the game. And they, you know, watch Peyton's face. It, it just gets progressively angrier, more frustrated, more bafflement. Look, the, the the reason we're given is that they decided beforehand that they would they would get to the the market. McManus was comfortable for there. It, it it just makes no sense, and this is one of the 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 biggest frustrations for me is McManus. He was one of seven from kicks over, from sixty or over before last night, right? That's fourteen percent. So you've seen all of these different kind of things about twenty two percent or twenty nine percent, but McManus we know was at fourteen percent over sixty, right? One one of seven, and add in the fact that. Again, it wasn't at mile high. It wasn't in a dome. Historically, Seattle is a horrible place to kick. No kicker has made a field goal of of, um, more than 57 yards at Lumen Field since it opened in 2002. Kickers are 0-6 on attempts over 57 yards, right? And, And the Broncos... Like that, that, that stat would be available to them. I saw John Breach was tweeting that earlier, but that's the sort of stuff that the Broncos have an army of analysts. That's the type of stuff that's publicly available information. What are, what's the longest field goal made at X stadium? Why do you suddenly think that you can kick seven yards beyond that? Like it's, it's a huge amount. Um, and we also saw obviously the, the, like, I get the timeout if you, if you're certain on the field on the field goal, right? Um, but to me, the decision process in in go in getting there, it, it's not Justin Tucker, it's not a dome, it's not mile high. The, get, put it in Russell Wilson's hands and and try. There is no guarantee, of course, we would have made it, right? Chances are we may not, but. At least you, you've traded for the guy. You've given him the big contract. He's the face of the franchise. He's everything you wanted him to be. Plus, he's had a really good game as the as the quarterback. I, I that is it, it is baffling. I just hope that the coaching staff learn from it. But I can understand why the the Broncos today are the you know just the laughing stock of the the league and, and there is bafflement um you know um the with with all with all the um various tweets that are, that have been going around 
all you can say is like learn from it and if if you have a generational QB if you have a face of the franchise put it in his his hands to me I've never forgiven John Fox for not allowing Peyton to have the opportunity right in 2013 it was Nathaniel Hackett's first game as head coach let's hope let's hope that it was just everything that was surrounding it and and the pressure and a really poor decision that kind of is an acts as a marker for the rest of his tenure as head coach. Stuart, your thoughts on the ending to that game. And also, do you want to take us into the, our final section and, and look ahead and give your thoughts for Sunday against the Houston Texans? I, yeah, I, I agree with what Colin said. I think Tyler Columbus, our old pal, had an interesting tweet just before he came on air. He says, There's only two kickers have ever made a kick from that distance in NFL history. Uh, plenty of quarterbacks made fourth and six. Um, you know, there's no guarantee, as Colin said, absolutely. But a 64-yard field goal from from that, like that's the equipment. That's a hail mary. It is. It's not like Manny McManus may think he's coming from whatever he isn't. Um, as Colin made 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 the point, I was going to make it as well myself if he hadn't. Brandon McManus is one of the luckiest kickers in the NFL because he kicks a mile high. Brandon McManus is an excellent kicker. And in fairness to him, he made a damn good stab at that kick. But ultimately, he missed. Um, you, you, you should never get yourself in a situation where you go, oh, it's a 64-yard field goal. Let's have a try. That like that That's crazy stuff. It is. It's not, like, Even for a kicker with a big leg, he's not making that. He's not making that in that stadium. It's not going to happen. Um, so even if... You've gone for it in fourth and six and it was unsuccessful. Then, of course, people are going to go, oh, well, you let Brandon McManus take the field goal. I think most sensible people would have gone immediately because he's not making that field goal. Whereas we'll never know Russell Wilson. And I think should there be a situation like that in the you know in the future, I can be, you know, I'd, I'd be fairly certain that he will leave it in Russell Wilson's hands. Because you'd have to ask yourself the question, Colin, if you're a Seahawks fan, what would you like to see happening in that situation? I'd be delighted to see Brandon McManus coming out. I would absolutely loathe to see. Russell Wilson have the opportunity to make that fourth and six because we only needed another, we needed one first down and then maybe another five or six yards. You get that to 50 odd, man, is making that field goal. He is. He's that good a kicker. Um, so it was, it was disappointing. And in fairness, I thought Hackett called a good game. I thought uh, the offense was, was creative. I thought you finally, after so many years, got to a reminder of what a franchise quarterback looks like. I thought Russell Wilson played really well. Some of his throws were outstanding. Um, you know, I, 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 I think that, you know, it's, it was unfortunate. I also think it's exacerbated by the fact that we had an absolute clown um, when it came to clock management as our head coach for the last couple of years. So there's a kind of an element of PTSD for Broncos fans in that situation, given what's come in the past. Uh, I didn't particularly like the fact that Hackett didn't put his hands up today and go, yeah, that was a mistake on me. He tried to kind of, Vic Fangio his way out of it a little bit by, by sort of maintaining it was the right call when I think it's pretty clear to everybody that it was not the right call to go for the field goal and Russell can back up his head coach all he wants and in fairness it's a good quality to have but it, it was wrong it was incorrect they made a mistake and you know they should be able to kind of go yeah look we will we'll do things differently the next time um, but as I said it, it to me it just leaves a little bit of a nasty taste in the mouth because I thought we were going to squeak it and I thought we didn't give ourselves the best opportunity to do that you know there's a minute left. You've three timeouts, I think, at that stage. Like that's an awful lot to work. You get one more first down in that situation. The Broncos are winning that game. They are just the way things are going. And that's not a particularly good Seahawks defense either. So Wilson was carving them up. He was making plays all night. 
you know, there, there was nothing to suggest that the Seahawks were going to hold there unless something very unusual happened. Um, just in regards to the weekend, Michael, um, I know the Texans played a little bit better probably than we had anticipated they would in their opener, um, but they're still not a very good team. They'll still be there thereabouts when it comes to I'm probably risk of repeating the kind of stuff that I said about the Seahawks. So I will choose my words uh, more carefully, perhaps. They're not a great team. Um, they do seem to play for that head coach, which is a good quality to have. In fairness, they do have some talent on the roster, but it's not great. We really now, now we need to go out and we need to win the game first of all. If you want to make a statement, that's fine, but we really need to get we need to get one W up on the board because if we were to lose this game, I'm not sure exactly who the Chiefs are playing next weekend. But if we're going to fall two games behind either the Chiefs or the Chargers already, then you know you've put yourself behind the eight ball after two games. I fully expect us to play better than we did. I think the little the little mistakes that uh, you know that, that that sort of unfortunately kind of crept into our game. I don't see that happening. I don't see Javante Williams fumbling on the goal line. I don't see ten penalties or whatever it was on the offensive line for delay of game and false starts and all this kind of nonsense. That's just not going to happen with more experience. It's a home game. I think Russell Wilson will be excited rather than the nerves that may have affected him in the Seahawks. I think I think the excitement will take over. And I think it was a reminder last night that we do have some seriously talented players um, on offense. And it was good to see them, I wouldn't say click, because we only scored 16 points. But realistically, I think on another day, we scored 30-odd points in that game last night. So I, I'm excited for the weekend. Um, and that's on a, on, a, on a reasonable time for us as well. So that's something else to kind of could get enthused about. But I, I would be hugely surprised if we didn't bounce back and win this game fairly comfortably. Yeah, and Colm, obviously we, we already had a, an AFC matchup at the weekend with the Chargers and the Chiefs, and now we've got the Chargers against the, uh, sorry, the Chargers and Raiders, and we've got the Chargers against the Chiefs this Thursday as well, so it's it's an important game for us to try and get off to a win and start and, and go one and one and I guess maybe I'm getting more um, approachable or more enthusiastic in my old age I, I'm prepared to put the last night behind me and uh, see that it's an 18 week season 17 games and uh, I'm fully behind the team this weekend I do think I do think they'll beat the Texans I think, I think home advantage is going to be massive but more so um, I think the offense will have too much for the Texans but what's your thoughts on this game on before we wrap up yeah look you have to, to leave it in, in the past and hope I suppose that the the litany of factors that we we saw go wrong, right? The, to see back to back fumbles on, on the goal line, um, I think I saw James Palmer tweet that um, he it, it hadn't happened in um, in a game um, since nineteen ninety one, and even then it didn't happen on consecutive drives. He couldn't find a record of it happening you know, on consecutive drives. So that's the sort of stuff that you know, should not happen again. I do like the adjustments that were made at the half. Um, whilst the the defense made um, Gino look like vintage Joe Montana in the first half, in the second half, I really liked the adjustments. And I think that, that that's an area that we'll, we will continue to improve on. Um, we saw, you know, what Judy can be capable of. It should be better to, to be at home as well. And there was all that hype leading up to the game. Um, I, I, there's no reason to, to panic. 
right? Um, but what we want to see is continuous improvement. I would like to see us score more than 24 points. I think that is really, really important for the, the franchise. Um, we, you know, the struggles that we've had in the red zone go back. They, they far predate Russell Wilson. They go back about five years. The unfortunate thing is, is that for the past five years, we've essentially been in the same bracket as the Giants and the Jets. We need to change that. We need to change the narrative around that. And Michael, you mentioned the Chiefs earlier. The Chiefs went to the red zone six times against the Cards. They came away with six touchdowns. That's the the level of efficiency that we're facing in the division. That's where we need to get to. Um, it will take time. It, we're a work in progress. It's a really young coaching staff, and they're installing a, a new offense. Nobody should be hitting the, the panic button, um, but there's plenty to learn from from last night's defeat. There is, and lads, I'm looking forward to Sunday. I'm looking forward to hopefully chatting to you lads next next Monday again when we go one-on-one. You, you have just a final point to make sure, yeah? Go for it. Mike, I just want to say it was a real pleasure last night to watch the the battle between Pat Sertan and DJ Metcalf. That was a tremendous, you know, two very talented young players, um, neither of whom got the better of the other, you know, but it was a really classic wide receiver cornerback battle. So we probably won't get to see it too many times over the years, given the fact that the Seahawks are in the NFC and they're not going to be in the Super Bowl anytime soon. So, but it was a good... uh, it was a great battle and, uh, you know, real credit to, to, to both players. I thought they both, you know, really gave gave each other their best and, uh, you know, fantastic. You know, the next gen of, of, of great players coming through the NFL is, 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 is well stocked, you know. So it was, it was real. It was a ding dong battle. It was great to see. Let's hope we see a few big players from Patsertan this weekend when the Broncos play the Texans. We'll be back uh, early next week uh, recapping on that and looking ahead to, well, I'd say with the early game in the week, we'll probably do two, maybe do two podcasts next week. I don't know. Let's, let's, let's see what happens. Um, obviously, massive thanks to everyone listening listen to this podcast on the Malhigh Report podcast network at Michael underscore NFL at Colin from Cork at Purple Heart TC. Until next week, lads. Um, I'm not going to say let's ride ever again to end the show just in case you're wondering. Uh, Broncos, chat to you soon, yeah? Oh, Broncos. Let's ride. <laughs>